Hey, is it all right if I preach from here? Um, what happens is when I preach on the stage, my head might hit the ceiling. And so, uh, <laughs> so I want to save myself. But no, I just feel more connected here. I don't know why. But it's been years since I preached on that, that stage. I used to uh, pastor this youth ministry called Epic. And um, right here, yeah, right here in this room. And so, and, and looking at the praise team, um, it's, it brings back a lot of good memories. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, things that I'm gifted with, I'm glad that it's been poured out to you guys. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? All right. So, um, yeah, well, let me, let me get started by uh, introducing some of our people. And I'm just really thankful for some of the people in our LifePoint uh, congregation to come out. And, and you guys may not have met them, but... Um, they're very important people, especially if you're graduating and coming up to LifePoint. You're going to want to get to know these people. First is uh, Pastor Daniel King. He's our associate pastor for LifePoint. And so if Pastor Daniel can stand up real quick, he's, yeah. That's the requirement to be on staff for LifePoint. You have to be at least six feet. Because um, I set the standard, you know. And so, um, but... Pastor Daniel's been with us for just over a year now. He's now a, a father. He just had their, their first uh, boy, uh, end of April. So I don't know if he's here to stay away from um, <laughs> a crying baby at home, but, but he's here to really get to know you guys and just to really bless you guys. Also, I want you guys to know uh, Deacon Juan Park. If you can just, yeah. <clears throat> Deacon Juan is um, kind of a, a pillar, and pillars, we need people that are like him in, in every church, uh, people that are faithful, uh, people that are rooted and grounded, and if you want to know uh, what serving looks like, um, he, he, can, he can show you um, through his life, and he's just a, a willing servant. One of the things that he does uh, for LifePoint is he helps connect LifePoint to all the other departments in the education side. So which is why he's here to show support. He wants to be involved with what's happening in BTM and then also to help you guys transition into, into LifePoint. Uh, I also want you guys to meet Vern. Vern, can you just, you don't have to stand, just wave your hand right there. Uh, that's Vern. <clears throat> Vern, um, you know, lives close to our church. He's been a faithful member of LifePoint. He's also my security, uh, my bodyguard. So if you don't like my message, talk to him, uh, not me. But... Um, I uh, just want you guys to, to see some of our, our amazing uh, men in, in life points. Um, I, I'm excited to be here. I want to share with you God's word, and hopefully, you know, my goal is to uh, not to be too long, and, and hopefully we can have lunch and not dunch. And so uh, I'm, I'm hoping to, to make this really nice and sweet, but uh, I pray that God would speak to you in a very personal way and also uh, as, as it relates to us as a church. And so if you have a Bible, go with me to the Gospel of, of Mark. Uh, go with me to chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Okay? Mark 12, 28. I'm going to go ahead and read this for us as you follow along in your Bible. It says this. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, 
which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribes said to him, you are right, teacher. You, uh, and by the way, who, who says that to Jesus? You, you are right, teacher. Um, you have truly said that he is one and that there is no one uh, other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. All right, let's go to God in prayer, shall we? And let's get into God's word. Father, thank you uh, for this amazing group of, of people here that are gathering every week um, as they just take their time to just really declare praise to you. And, and I thank you for those who have been faithful and um, being rooted in, in the local church. I also thank you because there might be some people here that are new to this thing called church or new to Christianity. And I pray that you would speak to us all. As we open your word, we, we ask that there would be a sense of our hearts opening, our eyes opening, our mind opening, and that we would all go home, uh, not just with a, a funny story or a good sermon, but we would go home knowing what is the most important thing in our lives. And so would you speak to us? And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So um, I want you guys to get out your phone real quick. And I think this is fitting. We tried this in the EM, the, the older congregation, and some of them uh, didn't even know what a phone was. But um, so, so if you have, do you have a phone? I want you guys to get out your phone. This might be the only time a, a preacher actually encourages you to get out your phone. But could you guys get out your phone real quick? And what I would love for you to do is on your phone, uh, if you forgot to bring it, and you, maybe you have something to write with, uh, last resort should be your brain. Your brain has the ability to forget. So um, if you have your phone, though, I want you to uh, open an app where you can write something down. And I'm going to ask you to write three to five things, okay? Are you guys ready, by the way? I'm going to ask you guys to write three to five that are the most important to you in your life. And so this means that you, you can't cheat because you don't look around because that's for them. But for you, what are the most important things in your life, okay? I'll give you guys uh, a few seconds here to go ahead and do that. Most important things. Raise your hand if you got at least one. At least one? Okay, good. Uh, let's try to get three, okay? We can stop at three. Uh, just top three things that are most important to you. And I know we're in a church, but, but you, don't have to, you don't have to, like, like, just put God just because. This is, make it personal and say these are 
three most important things to me, okay? So as, as you guys are, are, are doing that, I'll just share with you a couple, I guess, an important thing for me is just so that you guys get to know me and, uh, and some of the, the graduating seniors. Um, you know, this might be the first time I'm meeting you and you're meeting me. And so, uh, man, it's, it's a pleasure for me to be here. Uh, I, I, I've been part of Thanksgiving Church since the year 2000. I came when I was in your, in your shoes. I came as a freshman in college uh, looking for a church. And when I graduated from uh, USC, the Harvard of the West Coast, uh, when I graduated in 2004, God had immediately called me to be the junior high pastor. Uh, I did that for four years. And then, and then after that, God called me to be the high school pastor. And all the high school kids are like, Pastor James, why are you following me? And I uh, just say, hey, man, uh, don't worry about it. And so, um, I, I, and then I did high school. So, and then we did Epic. For, I did six years. So I, I, was, I was young and, and free and whatever for 10 years. And then I got old. And, and then so now I, I lead LifePoint. It's the uh, adult congregation, um, I guess you'd call, you know, 23 to uh, above. We have uh, singles, young adults, but we also have uh, families and, and parents that are much older than I. And, um, and so, so it's been a pleasure. So I've been on staff for like 12, 13 years now. Uh, and, and, uh, but, but one of the most important things recently is I became a father. My wife and I, we adopted a, a, a boy from Korea. His name's Benjamin. Um, if you see, if you see a two-year-old uh, that's eating everything in the cafeteria and not cleaning up and running around, that's my son. Uh, just, pr- just pray for him. But, um, but we brought him from Korea on January the first. Uh, he got to spend New Year's in Korea, and then we we took the plane and flew to back home. And then because of time difference, it was still New Year's here, so he got the best of both worlds. But um, January first is when he came and spent. Uh, just over five months. So he, he's the, my family is one of the most important things uh, in my life. All right, but real quick, all right, guys, because um, we want to aim for lunch, okay? So, so uh, real quick, uh, can I have some of you guys share? You don't have to tell me what, what number it is, like if it's one, two, or three. But just real quick, maybe like one from each section, just share what, what's the most important thing. For a college student, I, I'm, I'm so re- far removed. I'm probably double your, your age for some of you. Um, I cut my hair like this, not to try to be a hipster, but to cover my white hair so that you don't see it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be 36 uh, next month, and so I might be double your age, really. That's crazy. But uh, for, for you guys, what is the most important thing? Anybody? Nature. Na- who said the Harrison? Man, I've been praying for you, man. Nature? Harrison, real nature? All right. All right. <laughs> huh? Family, yeah. How many of you guys are a family? Come on. Family is, oh, come on. Nothing beats family. Anybody else? Like, um, you know, for, for you, like your life stage, what's important? Yeah. Mental health. Okay, good, good. Health, you know, physical health, mental health. All right. Um, like, anybody write, like, job? Like, as coalitions, you guys think about job? Okay, one honest person. Okay, all right. So, uh, maybe one more. One more most important thing. Brandon's, did you say food? I've been praying for you too, man. Yeah. Some things don't change, huh? Since, all right. I think, I think it's very helpful in life. 
to, to write down um, what is really important in life. Um, because what happens is, uh, you know, we're, we're human beings, we're designed in such a way where if we're not intentional about something, life will just take us and where we didn't even want to go. And, and so we need to be intentional and really put to attention and call, to our, call our mind to it and say, this is, this is important. Uh, this is most important. And so, uh, so I wanted to have you guys do that exercise because, and, and some of you guys, you might have been, been caught up on like a rank. May, you know, what is more important than this? And you, may, you might have wrote uh, college and your degree, but then you're like, oh, man, but then I think this is more important. And some, sometimes we get caught up in, in the order of what is most important and what we, what we value a lot. I realize that as a human being, what we love to do in our society is we all love to compare. We all, like our social media is all about comparison. Who has the, who can pretend like we're having the best time of our life? You know, who can, who has the best life? Who can top what the other person ate? And, and we're all about who's like the best, who's on top, who's going where, who, who went to what coffee shop today? And, you know, who can be the most hipster? I don't know. You know, in our day, the question for like our generation was who's the best basketball player? Is it Kobe Bryant? Or LeBron James, right? The older generation, some, some, some of the other men in LifePoint, they're like, oh, we don't even know who those are. They're little kids, right? And it's like, you know, it's Magic Johnson or Larry Bird, Michael Jordan, right? Um, and we, we ask these questions. We like the big questions of, of who's the best. What's the, what's the best movie of all time? And, and we all know that the truth is Braveheart, okay? So we all know that, right? Um, but we, we all have differences. We all go, no, no, this, the best thing is this. The best movie is that. There's a scribe in, in, the, in Mark 12 that asks Jesus, what is the most important commandment? That question is so weird because it's like asking someone, what is the best song of all time? How do you, how do you choose? How do you choose? You know, personally, I hate restaurants. I hate restaurants that have too many things on their menu. I'm like, don't do business that way. Give me, give me one option. <laughs> Make it easy for me. I don't want to stress, over, right? And uh, asking Jesus, what is the most important commandment is like trying to figure out what's the best song of all time. And here's why, here's why it's so hard. Well, first of all, in, in, the, in the Jewish custom, by the way, this scribe is not some, some random stranger that comes to Jesus um, who has no idea about Bible or the Jewish commandments. A scribe in, in their day is almost equivalent to like half lawyer and half theologian. So, for example, it's like some guy who went to Harvard Law School, you know, top of his class, and then just because he's just has extra money and time. He went to, you know, Fuller Seminary and got a, a, a master's degree in divinity. And he's got all this education. A scribe was somebody intimidating. You ever talk to someone and you know they're smarter than you and so you don't want to talk to them? That happens to me all the time. Like, you ever, you ever, you ever talk to someone and they're talking about something? You have no idea. They're just on a different wavelength. Like, I feel like my, like my IQ just dropped because I, f- I just feel so dumb around you. Like, what are you talking about? What, what kind of vocabulary is that? Why are you still using SAT words? Like, that's, you're weird. But scribes are those kinds of people, when they walked into a room, guys, they were so knowledge and so smart, you don't want them asking you questions. You don't want scribes challenging your understanding of Scripture. 
You don't want scribes coming to you and saying, what's the most important? What you want to do is run. You just want to go home, get dunch, right? You're like, dude, I, I, don't, I don't know, I don't know. And what they tried to do was this scribe tried to trap Jesus because he thought he could. At the end of it, it says he, he stopped asking questions. But he asked Jesus this question, what is the most important commandment? And this is a tough question because in Judaism, there were 613 laws in the Torah, which means just the first five books of the Bible were 613 laws. 248 of them were laws that uh, talked about what you can't do, restrictions. The other 365, almost as if there were one for each day, was a commandment on, um, on what you can't do. I, I, I'm sorry, it's the other 248 on what you can do. 365 on what you can't do. And so you had 613 laws that they had to not only memorize, had to live by. And the question was, which one's the most important? On top of that, what happened was these rabbis who would teach the Jewish law, what happened with Pharisees and the scribes of their day, in order to make sure they don't break the 613 laws, they created a fence around them. And, and, and so that they can't even come close to breaking the 613. What, the, what they created was a fence of 1,500 other Jewish laws. So basically, if there was a law saying, hey, thou shalt not touch the stage, they, were, they created another law on top of what God wrote saying, thou shalt not even come to the room. You guys see what I'm saying here? Because they wanted to make sure that they ob obey the 613 laws. So how do you... Over 2,000 laws, how do you know which one's the most important? If other people were in that room, with that question, they would be scratching their heads, but Jesus answers wisely. They're, 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 uh, they're probably expecting um, some kind of a wise answer. There's a story of a Gentile man who wanted to convert to Judaism. And so he goes to the two most famous rabbis of that day. This is a true story. Two most famous rabbis. One guy, his name's Rabbi Shammai, okay? And the other is Rabbi Hillel. He goes to, um, he goes to Rabbi Shammai first, and he goes to his house and says, Hey, Rabbi, I want to convert to Judaism, and I'm not sure if I should follow you or you. Can you answer this question, which will help me know who I should follow? And he, he goes and he says, standing on one foot, the story goes, standing on one foot, he'll ask, what is the most important commandment? And when he stands on one foot, because you can't stand on one foot that long, right? And I'm sure we all do this every day, but you, if you've never tried, you can't stand on one foot that long. What he's trying to imply is, give me the quick version of what the most important commandment is in, in, in a few seconds. Rabbi Shammai gets mad. He's like, get the Shammai out of my house. So he just says, get, 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 get out of my house. You, you, know, you know, get out of my house. You're not worthy. You're not worthy to be my, my disciple. So he just kicks him, kicks him out of his house. So then he goes to Rabbi Hillel, and, he, and then standing on one foot again says, Rabbi Hillel, what is the most important commandment? And Rabbi Hillel gives him this answer. He says, what is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. And he says, the, the, that is the whole of Torah. The rest is explanation of this, go, of this and go and study it. So his, his understanding of the whole Torah is, is what is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. The scribe was probably wondering if Jesus is going to say the same thing, something like this. You know what Jesus says? Jesus recites Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 5. I'm not sure if we have this. 
on the screen. But he recites this. This is his answer. He says this. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength, right? So um, when he's saying this, this is not some, some, whoa, I've never heard this before. For a scribe, this is the most basic commandment that you would know. It's almost like, you know how even non-Christians know that one verse in John? Which one's that? John 3.16, for God so loved. Because on the bottom of in and out cup, there's John 3.16. So we all know it. in and out did us a favor and did our evangelism for us. But um, everybody knows John 3.16. That would be considered like the John 3.16 for Judaism. The Lord is one. Hear, O Israel. Right? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. So he's saying that. And, and before we go into the significance um, of why he mentioned that one, I think there's something he's trying to tell the scribe. I think he's trying to tell and remind the scribe when he says that our God is one. He's trying to, trying to teach us that worship must be exclusive. That worship must be exclusive. Meaning, he's saying that when you worship God, make sure that you're not worshiping God and. You're not worshiping God and this. But that your whole being, your whole, your mind, your heart, your strength, your whole self is responding to the goodness of our God. It's saying, God, I give you my, my, all of me. In other words, it's saying, I'm not dating around with other gods. You're the only one I'm walking with. It's to call us to this, this walk with God in which our worship is exclusive. And, you know, you might say, well, Pastor James, don't worry about it because after... After TKC, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to 5 o'clock Buddhist temple service. I'm not going to, uh, you know, Islamic center. I'm not going, I, you know, I just go to a Christian church. And what Jesus is not saying is he's not talking about, um, you know, going to a Buddhist temple or carving images of idols. And he's not talking about that. I think he's trying to get us to examine the gods we've established in our own hearts. And somehow, some other things have become more important than God. And, and we, we as, like, if you've kind of grown up in the church, what happens is we kind of have this thing ingrained in us where we know we can't completely remove God. So we're not going to say we don't like God or love God, but sometimes we just want, we just love something else more, right? And I think this calls us to a life in which our hearts are completely His, where our worship is exclusive, okay? You know what's interesting, guys? You know, some people, they take this passage and say, well, you know, then, then we got we to gotta know what it means to love God with their heart, with their soul, with their strength, with their mind. And, and I think so, too, in a sense. I think there's something, too, breaking all those apart. But what I see in Jesus' answer is not he's not trying to get, he's not trying to focus on the, the heart, the soul, the strength, the mind, because if you notice, those words are only used one time. The heart is mentioned once. The soul is mentioned once. The mind is mentioned once. And strength is mentioned once. But there's another word that's mentioned four times. I think that's the emphasis. You know what that word is? It's the word all. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all your strength, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
Is this making sense? Jesus is, is teaching us then how. He puts the emphasis on how we ought to love God. So how does a Christian honor God? How does, how does a Christian worship with all? With all, right? And so this is what Jesus is teaching, you know, and I, and I think about one of, the, one of the most beautiful ways in which um, we can understand that kind of worship and that kind of uh, commitment is in the, in the institution of marriage. Because in a marriage, you know, when I, when I got married to my wife five years ago, when, when we got married, it was, it was I'm, I'm, I'm fully committed to you. And, and she's fully committed to me. Like, I don't get to wake up on, on, on Saturday and say, hey, um, Saturday and Sunday, um, you know, let's just do our own thing, you know. So, 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 so part, I'm going to be part-time, like, I'm going to be single on the weekends, and, and then, and then uh, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be a uh, husband during the week um, because everyone just goes to work and, you know, goes home. So, so during the week, I'll be a husband, and on the weekends, I'll, I'll be, you know, let's live our college days over again, and let's just do whatever we want. It doesn't work that way, right? It doesn't work that way, you know. And so even, even when I go hang out with, even when I go hang out with my friends uh, and when it's just a guy's night out, and we, you know, like, man, we, we love that. And, and whether it's watching our USC football games or watching the Lakers get destroyed again and again, you know, whether it's, you know, eating chicken wings together. You know, when I go out with my guys, I don't tell my wife, hey, I'm going to be single for the next two hours, so don't call me. Don't do anything, you know, and, but I'll be back. I'll be back. You know, it doesn't work that way because even when I'm with my guys, I'm still in covenant with my wife. And so it matters how I act and what I do even with my guy friends because all of my, all of my commitment now uh, in the marriage is with my wife. And I, and I think when you search scripture, one of the ways we can see uh, our relationship to God and God's relationship to us is through that marriage uh, imagery in which um, we don't get to say, hey, you know what, God, I'll, I'll give you Sundays. I'll even give you a weeknight called small group. Like, and I'll give you, like, I'll give you once a year, I'll give you a retreat. I'll give you, like, three days for a retreat. doesn't work that way. God doesn't save us part-time. God saves us fully so that we can give to God wholly. He, he saves all of us so that all of us can become God's. And so to love the Lord our God, the emphasis is not on, you know, your heart, your mind. It's not like Monday I'm going to focus on my mind, Tuesday focus on my heart. That's so robotic, right? The focus is every day when I wake up, Lord, I want to love you with everything. I want to love you with my all. You guys okay with that? That's the first thing he says. And then, and then I love what Jesus says because the scribe's like, all right, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good answer. I guess I can't argue with that. And then Jesus says, that's not even the end of it. I love this. I, lo I wish I was there. I, I, I wish I was a fly on the wall, like, taking notes. Like, ooh, dude, you, you don't ask Jesus that. Oh, he got you. He got you. I, I wish I was there. And then Jesus says, you know what? And the second is like it. And the scribes, like, hold on. I, I, I only asked you for one. <laughs> hey, but it's Jesus. He does whatever he wants, right? Jesus says, look, he says, the second is that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, there is no other commandment greater than these. Wow. Isn't it interesting that, that, that with loving God with all, as, as man, as radical as that is, 
He says, just as important as to love your neighbor. You know, some people have asked me, Pastor James, well, well, there's different interpretations of that. Because, like, who is my neighbor? And, and I go, well, if you're asking that question, um, you've already decided not to love. Um, because some people say, well, what well, is my neighbor, like, literally my next door neighbor? Um, and, or, or is it two houses down? Or Because th- the, the fifth house down, that guy, I can't love, I can't love. I can't love that guy. How, how many, like, how far do I go to love my neighbor? Is it my, you know, is it my church neighbor? Like, and I would say to all of that, yes. I would say if you want a starting point, start with the people you know. That's your neighbor, right? And he says, love your neighbor. And he says that this is the second commandment. And that is that these two, in a sense, go together and, and you're thinking, whoa, that's brilliant. Jesus must have kind of just uh, threw that out there on the spot. But I'm telling you, that is not even the brilliance of Jesus' answer. Because what Jesus just said was actually from Leviticus 19.18, which tells me the scribe probably already knew that verse too. This is the verse that, that he's quoting. He's saying, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, right? And so for Jesus, the brilliance of this answer is not that he's saying something new. Both of these verses are something the the scribe actually knows. What was interesting about Jesus is this. There has never been a teacher, rabbi, Lord, that came through and actually put these two together as if they were one and the same. No one's ever done that. What they've done is they've separated all these things. And Jesus says, no, love God with all and love your neighbor as yourself. These, this is the greatest commandment. You know what's interesting is this, is that Jesus says in in this verse, he actually, the, the wording here is this. The wording here is in verse 31, there is no other commandment. Uh, real quick, BTM, is that singular or plural? Hey, man, it, take, it took too long, man. That, <laughs> it, that took too long, man. There is no other commandment, singular, greater than these. Is these singular or plural? Plural. Now, let me ask you a question. Does Jesus just have bad grammar? Or is he actually teaching something new? He takes, he says, there is no great, greater commandment, singular, than these. He takes these two commandments and he makes it one. And he says, this is the greatest and the most important. Uh, in, in college, you know, I went through what you guys went through. You probably have t- taken time to talk to counselors and teachers and friends, colleagues, um, maybe your pastor and uh, people older than you about, like, what should I major in in college, you know, and, and, and maybe you have no clue what to do with your life, and maybe that's become the, the biggest thing in your life, like the major, deciding on major and trying to get a job or whatnot, and I'm just telling you guys that, that, um, that, that the most important thing is not your major. The most important thing is not getting a job after college. The most important thing is not dating as soon as you graduate. The most important thing is not getting married right after you, you know, finding the one. That is not the most important thing. The most important thing is that we love God with all. 
And then we also love neighbor as if those two are actually one and the same. I love, I love what Jesus says. He says, love your neighbor as yourself, as yourself. Some people have taught this as saying that, that we need to first love ourselves. Because if we don't love ourselves, then we, don't, we can't love others. And I would say, man, have you not seen Instagram? People love themselves too much. I would, I would argue that, that this, this passage, when it says um, love others as yourself, I think it's already assuming you love yourself. So when someone would, would read, I mean, think about how much we love ourselves, guys. Do I have time to go into Instagram and all that stuff? We love ourselves. We love our food. We love our coffee. We love our clothing. We love taking these photos of just our toes. And we love, we love our haircuts. We love the newest coffee shop. We love, we love telling others what we did. Where we, we just love ourselves. Can we just say that? You know, I, I'm, it's okay. To, and I, I love myself. That's a good thing. But we love ourselves. What Jesus, the, the crazy thing about his commandment is, is when he says love others as yourself, when someone would read that, they would say this, they would respond this way. Wow, that much? And the answer would be yes. As much as you love yourself, love others that way. You know, we think about ourselves all the time. Think about others that way. So when you, when you would read this, love others as yourself, it was a, the way you would respond is, wow, that much, huh? And the answer is yes, that much. You know, have you, do you love yourself? Do you love your brothers and sisters that much? I know you do, but do you love them as yourself? That's different. Do you, do, you, do you walk with them? Do you pray with them? Do you eat with them? Do you give them time? Do you acknowledge them? You know, do, do, do you love them as yourself? And I think what happens is this, guys. When, when you truly love God with everything, um, what's going to happen is naturally it's going to flow to loving others. And I think what happens is when you love others, it actually changes you and transforms you to even love God that much more. I think it's all, I, I don't think there's like one season in which you just focus on God or in, in another season when you focus on others. I think it's just, it's one and the same, you know. As you love God, you're going to love others. As you love others, you're going to love God. It's all, it all works together. The Bible says in 1 John 4, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. I love that. I think the Bible teaches that those things are actually one. In fact, in Romans, what Paul does is he talks about how when you, when you show love, it actually is the fulfillment of the law. You know, like the Ten Commandments, you guys know that the first four of the Ten Commandments in Exodus are regarding uh, God, and then the last six are regarding neighbor. Paul says this, that if you love God and you love your neighbor, you already fulfill the whole Ten Commandments. 
Because look, if you, if you love your neighbor, then why would you steal? Why would you murder? You guys understand? If you love God, why would you use his name in vain? So what he's saying is keep it simple. Love God and love neighbor and you fulfill the law. And I, and I love this because I think the, relevant, the relevance for us is today to ask that question again and again. You know, in my life, what is the most important? I hope it's not nature. <laughs> I love you, man. And I hope it's not food, even though food is up there. I'm with you, Brandon. But what is the most important thing? You know, I, I did this with our, our life point. And, and some of us who grew up in the church, we, we feel like the right answer has to be God, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure some, some people wrote, number one, God, of course. In church, Jesus is always the right answer. God is always the right answer. And then, but then I did this, and I want you to do this. If you have time, you could even do it right now or, or at home. If you did write God as number one, I want you to erase it. So, if you don't like my sermon, talk to Vern. <laughs> Actually, I think Vern took off. So, <laughs> I said, don't write God. Because God is not interested in being number one out of ten. You know, as if like, as if like, you know, you know, like, hey, but next week it might, be, it might be friends. But God, you'll be number two. And then after retreat, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll be number one again. What I told our group is erase God and make sure God is in number two through ten. So if you wrote God and then you wrote like family and you wrote school, you wrote job, you wrote uh, dating, whatever, whatever you wrote, the question is, is not, the question is not, is God number one on a list of one through ten? Is God in everything from one through ten? Is God in your family? Is God in your friendships with people? Is God in your studies? Is God in your education? Is God in your searching for what you want to do with your life? Is God in your dating? Is God there? I think that tells me much more about whether you love God with all. Someone can say, Pastor James, God is number one. He, I, he's my priority. And I'll say, man, I don't, that, that's not what Jesus is teaching. He, he's not saying put him in a category and then, and then you know, like, like, you know, I have God life and then I have family life. He's saying, no, no, make sure God is in every part of your life. That, that's what it means to love God. That is the most important. One of the, one of the most also practical ways that you, you can know, this, is, this might be hard for us to do, but I, I encourage you guys, if you want to know what you, what's really most important to you, one of the ways you can do that is ask someone that, um, is, that knows you and can give you a straight answer and ask them, hey, um, with the way I've been living my life the last several months, what do you think is the most important thing to me? They might not give you the answer you thought you was imp most important. But take it as, as a way to examine where you are in your heart. They might say, you know what, man? Hey, I know you love God. But I just feel like the last six months, you were more into that girl. Or you are more into, like, just getting 4.0. Not that those are bad, but you guys understand what I'm saying. Have someone that's close to you say, hey, in my life, what, does, what, what, does it, uh, what does the most important thing look like in my life? And so I hope and pray, BTM, that, that for us the most important thing 
uh, when someone examines our life is that, man, we love God and, and we love um, our neighbor. I love this. Uh, Ronald Reagan, if you guys uh, have heard of him, former president, right? Um, <laughs> Ronald Reagan, on the, on, the day, on the day he was inaugurated as president of the United States, on the day he was inaugurated as president of the United States, he's giving this, this big speech and his inauguration speech, and he's up there, and, and uh, his mom, his mom behind him slips him a note, right? How embarrassing is that? His mom slips him a note, and basically on the note it says, his son, don't forget the most important thing is to love God. To the president of the United States. And I love that. You know, and I want, I want you guys to, to, to um, take that as, an, as a word of encouragement to say, let's not be carried away by, by these temporary things. But make sure that we're driven by the most important thing, to love God and to love neighbor. I'm, I'm going to come to a close soon. But um, after Jesus' response, and the scribe is like, uh, you guys know the word moted? And, 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 anyways. Thank you, thank you, Hannah. So, anyways, uh, Jesus got mo- uh, the scribe. The scribe got moted. Uh, I don't know how to translate that in um, y- your language, <laughs> um, but basically, the scribe got owned. Owned. <laughs> the, uh, the scribe got owned. Right. The scribe got owned. He's like, I ain't, I'm not asking any more questions to Jesus because that was a pretty incredible answer. And and then and then you, and then you know what Jesus says? I love this. In verse. 34, it says, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know if you just kind of read that and kind of passed by it, but I'm like, what kind of an answer is that? You are not far from the kingdom of God? Because either you're, you're in it or you're not. It's like, it's like going to the pool with your friend and you're telling the friend, you are not far from the pool. <laughs> what? You know what I mean? Like, what kind of a response is that? He says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. So, see, I think in one sense, it was a compliment. I think in one sense, it was a way to, to acknowledge that the scribe is on the right track. But I think there's something important to learn. When he says, you are not far from the kingdom of God, what he's saying is this. It's one thing to know the information but it's another thing to actually live it out. He's saying your theology does not gain, gain you entrance into the kingdom of God. You guys understand that? You, you agreeing with my answer to what the most important commandment is does not guarantee entrance into the kingdom of God. Right? And so he says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. What is this teaching? Here's my, here's my answer. Here's my answer. In my years of being, I've been a Christian now for uh, uh, 20 years now. And you know what I know about being a Christian 20 years? Okay? You guys ready for this? It is impossible for me in my own strength to love God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind. And it is impossible for me in my strength to love my neighbor as myself. It is impossible But it is possible with the one who came with love, in love, and fulfilled the law. It is possible through Christ himself. When your life is hidden with Christ, when you're at the feet of Christ, when you're living with Christ, led by Christ, when Jesus is the center and he's the most important, 
then it is possible to love him with all you are and to love others as yourself. This, what Jesus just did, was he took the scribe's question about Scripture and made it into an answer about the Savior. What he's saying to the scribe is, theology doesn't save you. What he's saying is, the Savior does. How do you get into the kingdom of God? You need the one who just gave you the answer. You can't just have my teaching. you got to have me. That's the only way into the kingdom of God. See, your works righteousness, your loud singing, your, your hours of serving, your, your hours of Bible study, your undergrad at Biola does not make you into the kingdom of God. But when a humble servant who has no, who's never been in church, when a humble sinner who's never been in church, doesn't even have a Bible, comes on their knees and says, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus will reserve a spot for him in the kingdom of God. And that person can love God and love neighbor. And so as I close, BTM, do you want to live all your life just near the kingdom of God? Do you want just Sunday theology, Christian theology? Or are you living in Christ? Do you want to live the life that is truly in Christ? The one difference is how you receive Jesus. Is he just your Sunday teacher or is he your everyday Lord and Savior? Your answer will not change how God loves you. However, it will change how you love him and how you love others. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to learn from your word today. And we, we, we shared a lot. There's a lot that's been taught, and I think it drives us to the very last thing, that our life is meant to be lived, not just knowing your teaching, but to be lived through you, with you, and in Christ. And so I pray for our brothers and sisters in BTM, that there will be a continual um, feasting at the Lord's table. There will be a continual uh, coming to your feet. There will be a continual uh, receiving from your word and, and praying and in worship and in and, and the fellowship of the believers, um, but not as a way to enter the kingdom of God but as a way to live in the kingdom of God. So I pray that for all these college students here who are going through, um, struggling through even what they see as most important in life, um, would you be at the very center, not, not number one at, at a, on a ranking system, but just at the center where everything else flows from, that we can love you, and may there be evidence that we love our neighbor. And so I pray a blessing over Burning Tree. God, we're so excited in LifePoint to get to know these graduating seniors. Pray that you would help them in their transition, help them to uh, make connections with uh, people in LifePoint. 
Um, and as one church, may we be a church that truly honors you, that lifts the name of Jesus, and is faithful to the mission at hand. Um, so bless the rest of their fellowship and their, their eating together and, and, um, and, and the, the staff here and the leaders and Pastor Dennis. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.